Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 238 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and we've had a few days to calm down from the Anthony Davis trade. So today, since the draft is almost 48 hours away, we are going to preview the 2019 NBA draft. And later in the episode, we'll also give a little fallout from the AD deal that we didn't have uh, details to on Saturday night when we recorded the emergency pod. Before we get into all that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. You can also find us wherever podcasts are hosted. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. And we actually have a third uh, member here today. And last time he was here, during the middle of the podcast, the Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics made a trade that ended up with the Sixers getting Markel Fultz. So how's that for a good luck charm? Good times. Really enjoyed. You know, I was really happy about it at the time, but uh, (laughs) I tried to block that out of my memory ever since. Um, But yes, we do have a third guest today joining us today is Sam Vecini of The Athletic, one of the most prolific draft writers out there. His big board, his mock draft just went live today, so check both of those out. Sam, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Uh, Legitimately, there is, like, you know, a very real non-zero chance that another trade happens while I'm on the phone with you guys. So, (laughs) like, (laughs) I, I mean, like, every pick right now, seemingly, except for... Uh, the top three and you know even John Gavoni just tweeted out that the Knicks are trying to get Darius Garland in for a workout which makes me think that they're trying to you know potentially see what is available at number three for a trade Um, like these picks are basically all available for the most part so uh, yeah there's a lot going on right now and it's a really fun time to happen this is this is like where the storm gets the craziest right like two days out before the draft it's always really fun yeah, the Tuesday, I always work like Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and every time late clockwork, the Tuesday night before the draft is when all these rumors really start picking up some steam, so I'm, I'm going to have a brutal day at work, um, but not as bad as you're going to have, I'm sure. A couple, yeah, my favorite one was a couple years ago when Phil Jackson decided to go on like SNY TV or whatever, and basically say, yeah, we're listening to offers on Kristaps Porzingis, yeah, it's all good, like... It's, it's fine. Like, we, we're thinking about trading him. 
And meanwhile, like you talk to people around the league and like them listening on Christoph Porzingis was like, yeah, we demand five first round picks for Christoph. <laughs> well, why did you rock the boat? Like, why would you even say this publicly, Phil? Oh, the right. Phil Jackson era in New York. Like, what yeah. a... What a dumpster fire that was. <laughs> if only we knew how the Kristaps era in New York would end. Um, <laughs> so, Sam, we know Zion Williamson's going to be the number one pick on Thursday. I think it's he's such a consensus number one that we don't really need to go into that as much as I want you to put him into historical perspective for us. Like, where does he rank in terms of prospects who have come out in recent years? Like, would he have been the number one pick, you know, every year since Anthony Davis came out? Um, is he the best prospect since LeBron James? Like, where does he rank among, you know, the top prospects from the past 10 or so years? Yeah, in my opinion, uh, he is definitely the best prospect since Anthony Davis. Um I understand that that's like a lofty title, right? But, you know, if you remember Carl Anthony Towns, People didn't really come around towns until, let's say, January, maybe January to March. It was like kind of a slow trot going from Jaleel Okafor at number one to Carl Towns at number one. Um, You know, Markel Fultz was a strong number one that uh, didn't work out because he forgot how to shoot and potentially (laughs) had some sort of, what, thoracic outlet syndrome. So we'll see if that's what's going on with him. Um, You know, Andrew Wiggins, I think, often goes underrated within these conversations. He was certainly a guy that uh, a lot of people had high expectations about. Um, Anthony Bennett was not someone that people had high (laughs) expectations about in 2013. Uh, 2012 was AD. 2011 was Kyrie. Kyrie was like a seven-game player at Duke. You know, there were some questions. If you remember famously, Bill Simmons thought Derek Williams would be the best player, should go number one. Um, So, like, that was a conversation. Not to, like, you know, shit on Bill or anything, because I think Bill's great, but, like, that was a conversation is kind of what I'm trying to say. Right. right. Um, 2010, who was 2010? Was that Blake? Uh, No, that's nine. I think think that was... Yeah, was that... That was John Wall. Yeah, Yeah. it was John Wall. Wall 2010, 2009 was Blake. That's right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, there's a conversation to be had about it be about Blake, you know, maybe Blake was really, really high end as a number one pick, you know, very productive in the same way that Zion was very athletic in the same way, explosive in the same way that Zion was. Ultimately, I think that uh, Zion's ability to create with ball in hand, that's not something Blake had uh, early on in his career. Uh, You know, he's really gone about developing his game in just such a substantial, interesting way that uh, to me, he's one of the most interesting players in the NBA. Um, Yeah, I would say Zion is right there with Anthony Davis. Um, I I mean, I'm not going to – I don't know that it's worth picking one just because they're both, like, franchise-altering talents. They're both exceptional. They do different things, you know. It is what it is. But I would say that that's the class of prospect he's in. He really is just uh, exceptional on both ends of the floor and is such a ridiculous athlete that uh, he affects everything that's happening at all times. I like oh. what Ricky O'Donnell, he, he said about Sion Williamson. He's the best center and the best point guard in the class. <laughs> I don't agree with the best point guard, but he's definitely the best center in the class, I think. Um, he's the best center, best power forward, best small forward, whatever you want to call him. Um, right. He is, yeah, I mean, he's just 
a very special player in a lot of ways. And I'm very intrigued to see uh, how New Orleans is able to build around him. I think that uh, Lonzo Ball is a great fit with him if they can surround those two with shooting. I think Drew Holiday is a great fit with him. Um, Brandon Ingram, I'm a little bit more skeptical on. But yeah, I mean, like David Griffin's about as smart as it gets doing this job right now. So yeah, I think that uh, there's a real chance that the uh, Pelicans are going to be at least one of the most fun teams in the league. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to be high on the league pass rankings next year. Uh, and since we're talking about the Pelicans, we'll come back to two and three in a second. But let's jump right down to four, which they also now own thanks to the Anthony Davis trade. You've reported that this pick is you know widely available. Um, John Gaboni of ESPN earlier today yeah. reported the Pelicans are weighing whether to take, you know, Atlanta is apparently trying to move up. So I think they've offered eight and 10 for number four. Uh, what would you do if you're the Pelicans? I probably wouldn't. I would trade out, but I would try and get a more established player. Like the first team I would be calling is Washington. I would be trying to get Bradley Beal. Um, I have all of these Laker assets. I have the number four overall pick in this draft. The Wizards just brought in Kobe White, went out to dinner with him on Sunday night. Uh, Ted Leonsis was there to watch him work out. It's very clear they have an interest there, and it's very clear that Kobe isn't going to get to nine. Um, maybe you can convince them to part with Brad Beal. I, I'm skeptical that Bradley Beal would be dealt in a draft day trade while they don't have a full-time general manager. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, this is the NBA. Weirder things have happened. Markel Fultz forgot how to shoot. Like this yes. is like, Please bring that up this, repeatedly. I'm not this world enough. is this, this league is just dumb a lot yeah. of the time. Right. So, um, you know, I, I look at potential trades for guys that can help a little bit more often or a little bit quicker than say guys that would be there at eight and 10, if only because I think that the Pelicans, it, like this is my take at least. I don't know if like other people feel the same way. I think the Pelicans are going to be able to compete a little bit quicker than what other people do. Um, you know, Drew Holiday is obviously an all-star level point guard. I think Lonzo is really good. Uh, I think Zion is maybe not an all-star in year one, but probably an all-star in year two. Like I, I think that they are a potential like, 48 you know 45 win team by year two so with that being the case like you gotta you gotta look at potentially getting guys in there that i think can help you sooner while also maintaining flexibility because obviously the pelicans issue early on with anthony davis was they locked themselves into these deals for role players that uh limited their cap liquidity right Mm -hmm. so if you can do that i think that's the win the Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. 
They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Okay, Sam, it looks like the Pelicans pick isn't the only one that might move either before the draft or during the draft. Um, there could be a trade, probably not with the Grizzlies pick at number two, but the Grizzlies could be involved in a deal. Uh, Sham Sharania, your colleague at The Athletic, reported Monday that the Grizzlies are taking offers on Mike Conley. Uh, he said the Utah Jazz are the front runner, but the Indiana Pacers have also been mentioned as a possible destination for him. You know, when, when the lottery happened and the Grizzlies moved up to two, that was Morton and I's first reaction was, okay, well, they can get Morant and they can move Conley. So do you think that's what happens or do you think there's value in bringing back Conley kind of as a mentor for Morant, assuming Morant's the pick? I mean, for all we know, it could be Barrett. Well, I think at the end of the day, the big key here is just getting the most value for a player in Mike Conley that uh, is probably not going to be on your next winner, right? Uh, The best way to do that, I think, is to trade him right now while he's two years left on his deal. Uh, there are a lot of teams out there that are certainly interested. We've, you know, obviously heard of Utah. We've heard of Indiana. We've heard of, you know, X, Y, and Z teams that, you know, have at least kicked the tires on Mike. You know, it sounds like yesterday, like you said, from Shams that, you know, Utah and, uh, Memphis might be a little bit further down the line than what has been reported before. So we'll see. Um, I think it's probably the right move. If you can go out and get a first round pick, you can get the cap relief that comes with a Mike Conley deal. You know, obviously the Chandler Parsons deal comes off the books next year. You can really set yourself up for a very liquid cap situation, which I think is the biggest key. You want to be able to have flexibility in the way that you go about building your team, especially whenever you're uh, in the middle of a rebuilding process. So I think the timing's right to move them and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I like the idea too. I mean, Mort and I had been very much team blowed up for Memphis for longer than this past year. I mean, we thought the ship had kind of sailed last year and they should have started shopping these guys, at least because, as you said, you can get more value when these guys are further from free agency. Um, Utah, they have a lot of cap space this summer. They could have a lot of cap space, depending on whether they bring back Favors, who's at $16.9 million, all non-guaranteed. Kyle Korver, uh, only $3.44 million of his $7.5 million salary is guaranteed. Ricky Rubio has come out and said he's not going to be a priority for the Jazz, or the Jazz have informed him of that. So it does seem like they're going to be in the market for a new point guard. And you could, I mean, even if they do turn it into, you know, act as an over-the-cap team, they could salary match by Exum favors and the number 23 pick. And that seems like a somewhat fair deal for both sides. So I really like the idea of Conley on Utah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the Grizzlies are definitely a team to watch on draft night. Uh, Sam, let's talk about Nick briefly. It seems like their best are going up in smoke very quickly. Um, Dan Devine of the Ringer wrote about this yesterday, where a month ago, you know, they're coming in, they're thinking, we're going to get Zion, we're going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, we're going to be a contender right away. Then they slip from one to three. Uh, Durant tears his Achilles, unfortunately, and now Kyrie seems like it's all but a lock that he goes to the Nets instead of the Knicks. So what do you do if you're the Knicks now, Sam? Do you take Barrett at three and still go after Durant and just kind of punt on you know next season, knowing Durant's going to miss it, get another high pick and see where you're on 2020? 
or do you just kind of recalibrate and start to continue to build around the young guys? Yeah, I think that you definitely still chase Kevin Durant because he's Kevin Durant and he's very good at basketball. Uh, hot take, I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you chase Kevin Durant. You take the uh, you know guy who I think an R.J. Barrett would fit with Kevin. Uh, you know, I think that you could have a very interesting modern uh, modern player that could. Or a modern lineup, I guess, is the way to put it. Because RJ, there are questions about the jump shot. There are questions about the shot selection. But you could have an interesting situation with that group where you can play big, you can play small, you can play RJ as like a pseudo lead guard with Kevin, who also initiates a lot of actions. You could play small with those guys across the uh, you know lineup. Uh, you know, with you know RJ at the three, Kevin at the four, and then like a smaller ball five. You could play Mitchell Robinson with those guys. I think. Um, the key is obviously RJ's jump shot. As long as RJ can shoot the ball, I think that everything's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, if I was the Knicks, how much changes here? I don't know that it's a ton. I think that, you know, you're building around Kevin Durant, you know, you're because Kevin's going to sit out all of next year. You're not going to be as good as what you might've anticipated, which means maybe you can be in the mix for another lottery pick next year and pick up another high level young asset. And, you know, you can either use those young assets to build around Kevin as he ages or you can use those young assets to you know make a move in a deal to pick up another star whenever the next one becomes available so um yeah i don't know that the plan should change all that much for the knicks to be honest yeah that makes sense that makes sense um more i'm going to let you take these next few guys over because this is the range of your firm former team the chicago bulls <laughs> yeah so basically jared culver and darius garland are the two names that are mostly uh associated with the bulls these days you know, throwing in a little bit, a pinch of Siku Domboya, who I absolutely love uh, personally, by the way. But what direction do you see the Bulls going? Now, there have been a lot of rumors that they want to trade up to four. Uh, some are saying they want to stick at seven because maybe the draft shakes out their way and they get one of Garland. I, I forgot to mention Kobe White as well, who's in there. Uh, if you're the Bulls, what type of player of between those three, Culver, Garland, and White, would you be actively trading up for? Who would you not trade up for and then just see who's available at seven? Yeah, I would definitely be looking for a lead guard, and then I would be trying to sign a lead guard in free agency as well. Uh, personally, I think Darius Garland is, uh, other than Ja Barant, the best point guard in this draft. His live dribble game is ridiculous. He can get to his pull-up game with ease. Um, not a great distributor, not a great facilitator at this stage, so you'd have to worry a little bit about the fit with Zach Levine. Oh. Also, you'd have to worry a little bit about the fit with Zach Levine on defense. But uh, at the end of the day, like I would just kind of – Trust that, you know, the Levine deal isn't like a, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a hugely positive asset, but it's certainly not a negative asset around the league, I don't think, after his season. And uh, you have to trust that you could be pretty fluid in the way that you go about building your team. So I, I look at this as a situation where, uh, you know, if, if I'm the Bulls, I'm trying to get a point guard by any means necessary. And uh, you know, I, I would probably rather have Garland than any of those guys, to be honest. So what if Culver slips to seven? Uh, would you agree that he's the best player of those three if you ignore positions? Um, so you, you didn't throw DeAndre Hunter in there, right? Like, I think DeAndre is probably the best of the group. No, I said, said you're right. I, I, I forgot to put Hunter in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just wasn't sure if you were thinking Hunter was going to go earlier or not. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, 
Culver is probably in a vacuum, the guy that I would like most. But if I'm Chicago and I just seriously need an answer at the lead guard position, right? Uh, I don't think the difference between Culver and Garland is great enough. And honestly, if I'm Chicago and I'm in a big market, even though I don't act like it all the time, uh, I'm more willing to go for an upside play knowing that, you know, even if I don't act like I'm a big market all the time, I still am in Chicago. People like to live in Chicago. I can probably go out and make a play in free agency if I'm willing to spend some money. It gives, uh, I think that that's a big uh, underrated aspect for uh, big market teams. I think that they can afford to take risks in free agency a little bit more often, but just be or in the draft a little bit more often, just because they have multiple avenues of team building available to them. You obviously don't want to miss on any pick, but you know, everything is an expected value equation, right? Like you're maybe willing to take a more volatile asset sometimes because you know that you can, you know, maybe make up for it down the road if you miss on it. And if you hit on it, it's only upside at that stage. Right. Is that basically a description as well for Darius Garland? Like, if we just ignore teams and and who's interested, like he seems to me to be such a swing player. Like he could come in and be an, an all star in this league, or he could be very much the opposite. Like, obviously, he only played what five games at Vanderbilt, so it's very limited data from at least the college ranks. But you, I assume you've watched him even before that. What's your general yeah, take of Garland? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that. I don't really see like out of the league downside by any stretch. Like I think he's uh, a guy that maybe he's just a combo guard. Maybe he's like a slightly worse, like Lou Williams or something like that. Cause Lou's really good now, but yeah. you know, over the course of his career, it took Lou some time to figure some things out throughout his uh, just in terms of how to play efficient basketball. Um, yeah, I think there's a world where like, you know, maybe he is a bench guard. Uh, maybe he is just like a high level scorer off the bench. But uh, one thing that would maybe, you know, hinder that or hinder his upside is that I think he's kind of an underrated poor finisher around the basket. Like he doesn't really have a left hand, doesn't really have any of those English finishes. Like I think the guy that it feels like he's most often compared to is Kyrie Irving. And in Kyrie's case, it is a circumstance where he has all of those crazy, you know, off balance finishing touch skills. And we haven't seen that from Darius yet, even at lower levels. So uh, that's a concern for me. The facilitating is a concern for me. Obviously the defense is a concern for me, but you know, the number ones and the number one and number two skills that I look for from lead guards in today's NBA are the ability to get separation and the ability to shoot the ball because it just puts such tremendous pressure on the defense. If you have guys who can just create their own shot at any time. And Darius has that ability. His uh, dribble is very low to the ground, very quick. He is uh, a a very, very impressive ball handler and he has great footwork and he knows how to change paces, change direction. Well, and his balance when getting into his pull-up is very, very high level. And that, I assume, is where he separates himself from Kobe White, who's a little bit more of a spot-up shooter instead of one who shoots off the dribble. I think he was in the 97th percentile in college on spot-ups and significantly lower off the dribble. Uh, And not really a pure point in the sense of creation and ball handling. So White, you you, you mentioned that Garland isn't necessarily a strong finisher around the basket. It seems Kobe White, due to his added frame as well, is a little bit more explosive in the driving game. 
but it's just not as polished on the perimeter as Garland is. Is, is that a fair assessment? Uh, Kobe, you asked if he's not as polished on the perimeter game, right? Yeah, ask Garland in terms of just being able to create your, your own jump shots and create separation. Right, yeah, I think he's just a little bit worse of a ball handler. Like, just think of it from, like, a mechanical standpoint, right? Like, Kobe White is six foot five with, like, a six foot four, six foot five wingspan. And Darius Garland is, like, six three with, like, a six six, six seven wingspan. Uh, Darius is a lot more able to keep the ball close to the ground and able to uh, make these lightning quick moves, whereas... Just naturally, because Kobe is a little bit taller with shorter arms, sometimes he's not as able to, you know, make those nasty little moves that other guys can, right? Uh, he's still very, very fast. He's still a good pull-up shooter. Uh, he's really, really improved as a facilitator, and I think he's worth a top 10 pick, like, no doubt about it. Like, I, I think he is... Uh, a very, very good player. But I, I just think that that little bit of polish in terms of ball handling ability is something that uh, often uh, kind of gets underrated a little bit with Kobe. I, I'm not sure he's quite there yet. Interesting. So I, I only have one more name that I want to throw your way because I love him personally. Sekou Dumboya. What are your thoughts yeah, about sure. him? Yeah, I have him as the second best uh, international guy. I have him as the number one or uh, as a top 10 prospect, though. He is uh, a very, very athletically gifted player. Uh, not necessarily like wildly explosive in terms of being able to throw down insane dunks or anything. Just a very fluid athlete, a lot in the same way that like a Pascal Siakam is. It's six foot 10, has the ability to step out and shoot it, can attack closeouts, still working on tightening the handle a little bit. But for a guy that's 18 years old um, and is the youngest player in this draft, he is just remarkably talented uh, in terms of being able uh, to create things either athletically or through his uh, ability to keep defenders off balance with the jump shot or uh, with being able to get to the basket defensively, you know, like any 18 year old, there is a lot to kind of figure out. Right. But, you know, I, I think from a field perspective, there are worries there just because, he uh, could be like a second contract guy. Like you're drafting him at 18. He's going to have to play his full rookie year at 19 years old. Uh, he'll play, uh, you know, part of his rookie year, even at 18 years old and part of the second year at 19 years old. Um, if I was a team, I would be a little bit worried that like I would be drafting him this young and he might not necessarily end up giving me the value that he has potential to bring. And instead might like be really good by the time he's 23 years old. Right. Mm. Uh, and a second team is deriving the value from it because like, look, Seku's going to be in his fifth year in the NBA uh, when he's 23 years old. Uh, <laughs> like that is crazy, right? Like yeah. Cam Johnson is going to get drafted this year and he's going to turn 24, like right at the start of the season. So like it's, you know, I, I'd be a little bit worried about that. But at the end of the day, I think the upside is real. And he is a guy that I would be comfortable taking in the top 10. It's nice because I haven't seen a whole lot of people actually, you know, talk about him a whole lot or, or have him high on their draft boards. I think there is still that tendency for some people to, to you know, bring international names down on the draft board a little bit. So I appreciate seeing both Seiko Domboya there and, and Goga at eight. Uh, I, I appreciate that from an international perspective. 
Well, I think that uh, Goga, Goja, whatever is, however the hell you say his first name. Um, the, the thing with Batadze is that uh, at the end of the day, the thing that is happening with him is this guy won Adriatic League MVP, was the young yeah. prospect of the year in EuroLeague. He averaged, what, like 13 and 6 in EuroLeague. He led the EuroLeague in blocks per game. I think that what teams are looking at with him is like they're just way overthinking this. Uh, this guy was productive in the second best league in the world, albeit for a, a not very good team. But like this guy can really, really play basketball. This guy is uh, an exceptional screen setter, an exceptional pick and roll player who even has the ability to step out and knock down above the break threes. He is a ridiculously good rim protector for his size and for his age. Uh, you know, there are fouling problems there and that would be the concern. But I think even more than Sekou, uh Goga is getting hit with this, you know, stereotype of this like big unathletic white dude. And yeah. I don't really think that's the case with him. I agree with that all throughout. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. So, Sam, it seems like, is it fair to say that this draft is not super high on star power, which is why people have been somewhat down on it? But there's still it's like a deep draft in terms of potential role players, rotation members, that type of thing. It's exactly how I feel. Um, that is exactly to a T how I feel once you get past like the top three. Um, this draft is because so many underclassmen declared for the draft. Uh, I think we have like, I think it's like 86 is the final number from college and then an additional 10 from Europe. So we've got like 96 uh, early entry players plus seniors that are all pretty good as well. Um, or like some of them are pretty good, I guess, like the sixth man at Furman or whatever isn't very good. <laughs> but uh, having said that, you know, this is a draft because so many guys are in it that I think you are going to find some really interesting role players who go undrafted, for instance. Like I think Kobe or Cody Martin out of Nevada, he does everything but shoot the basketball. Like this is a guy that I can see working on his shop at the time he's 25, 26 and getting to the point where he's an NBA player. Like you can look at, you know, so many different players, uh, like in the range of like 70 to like 90 on my board, like Justin Wright Foreman, I've been told has gone into workouts and just absolutely destroyed. Uh, I think there's a real chance he goes undrafted. Like, uh, Jordan Caroline is six, six, super tough, super strong, physical. Um, just isn't like, 
shooter yet. If he goes in and becomes a consistent shooter, he could be like a switchable three and D four man. Like uh, Charlie Brown averaged 20 points or 18 points a game at St. Joe's and uh, shoots 39% from three. And he's a six, seven wing that has a seven foot wingspan. Guys like that don't grow on trees. Like <laughs> it's hard to find players like that. So if he becomes an NBA player, I wouldn't be surprised. There are going to be players that go undrafted this year that play in the G League maybe for a couple years and then end up becoming NBA players because uh, there's just a lot of talent uh, throughout this draft. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's what the impression I get. You know, I'm a Sixers guy, so I've been following kind of the late first, early second round discussion. And like, I feel like there are a lot more guys in that range that I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. This guy makes sense than than in a usual year. Um but I want to give you a chance to kind of hype up some of the, you know, mid first, late first, early second round guys who you might be higher on than either the consensus draft community or, you know, NBA teams that you've been talking to in recent weeks. So, yeah, uh, you know, the first one, I would say Kevin Porter at 14. I'm probably a little bit higher on him. Uh, I've done a good amount of background research into him. Um, you know, I, I think that, Teams are a little bit worried about the coachability, uh, about, you know, is he going to really work hard at it? And I think that uh, I just kind of believe in if a team can you know foster the right situation for him, he has real potential to be a high level player. I'm higher on Brandon Clark than a lot of teams are. Um, I've got him at number 12. Most teams look at him, you know, maybe like 17 ish, 18 ish, you know, something in that range on consensus. Um who else? Nick Claxton. I think people have kind of come around to where I've been for a while on Nick Claxton finally. Uh, so I've got him at 21 uh, on my board. Eric Pascal. I feel like it's taken some people a while to come around on Pascal. I feel like it's taken some guys to come around, some time to come around on Carson Edwards. These guys just are like physical, strong um, for their position. Carson is an elite level shooter, uh, you know, running off of, you know, high speed movement, even let alone movement. Um, Pascal is a guy that's physical, can shoot above the break threes, 250 pounds, six, seven, seven foot wingspan, uh, very, very talented player. And then I guess the final person that we should kind of close on is Grant Williams. Uh, I'm a big Grant Williams fan. I have him at 15. Most teams, you know, have him more in the twenties outside of the first round range. I am a big fan of Grant Williams because I believe in the person involved obviously super skilled was the first team all-american two-time sec player of the year but i also think uh he's just an elite level dude that works his ass off and isn't going to stop working until he gets to the point where he's a successful player and then second uh i look at grant williams as a guy whose game defensively is kind of tailor-made for these help heavy defensive schemes now that exist across the nba uh, you know, you have to be able to guard on an island on some level. And, you know, there is a fair amount of concern there with Grant, but he is just really, really smart at being in the right position, being in the right rotation every single time and making life more difficult for opposing offenses. Yeah, I mean, for, I might just be following like the wrong people on draft Twitter, but it seems like everyone I, I see, like I know people in the Sixers community, especially are very high on this guy as well. Um, so it, he's he's one of the guys I'm keeping an eye on heading into Thursday as, you know, whoever lands him. He feels like the token Spurs pick, like he slips further than he should. The Spurs get him and you're just like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a monster in a couple of years. So, um, yeah, keep, no, I think that's really possible. 
Yeah, definitely keeping an eye on him. Are there any guys in that range who you're lower on than the consensus? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a bull bull guy. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I just think there are better risks to take than bull bull at the end of the day. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just not interested in it. Uh, anyone who is seven foot two, 200 pounds, has super high hips, uh, you know, a guy who's already suffered injuries, had the navicular bone injury, um, you know, a guy that there are real questions uh, off the floor about how much he likes basketball, you know, how, uh, you know, how much he's going to work at being a great basketball player. Can he keep weight on his shoulders and his body? He lost 25 pounds since the combine or from the time he was hurt through to the combine. Um, I mean, even on the floor, he was atrocious defensively this year. Like, I think that people look at him as like a high level defender potentially. And maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe I'm not looking at the tools enough because he's seven, two with a 78 wingspan, but that dude didn't give a shit on defense this year. <laughs> like go back and watch seriously. Anyone that wants to go watch bowl bowl defensively, please go back and watch the Iowa game. I, I would implore you to, because like Iowa's backup center was like pinning this dude uh, on the block and just, going up for easy shots. Their starting center was doing it. Uh, they tried to play man-to-man defense and their point guards who are like six foot two, like, you know, not super athletes are just blowing by with ease because he's not playing well. Like he's not really like caring enough on defense. So yeah, like I- I'm not a fan of believing in that dude consistently. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, the opposite, like he is skill. Like he can yeah. shoot. Th- I think he's legit. Like right now, a 40% above the break NBA three point shooter at seven foot two. Like he is an exceptional shooter. He can actually handle the ball a little bit. Uh, His feel like, isn't terrible whenever he wants to play, but like it's, he's that guy where I know I might be wrong on him. I'm comfortable to be wrong on him. Mm -hmm. And if I am wrong on him, I'll just, I won't think twice about it. I'll just move on and be like, okay, sure, whatever. I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it seems like people are either really like, this guy should be a lot like late lottery pick, or it's where you have him. Like, I wouldn't touch him in the first round type deal. Like, I haven't seen many in the like, yeah, he's a fine guy in the late teens, early 20s. To me, he strikes me as a, you know, for a team like, Atlanta, if they stood pat with all three of their picks, maybe you grab them at 17. It's just like if you have multiple first, Boston, if they keep 14, 20, and 22, you know, maybe spend yep. one of those. But yeah, if I'm a team with one first round pick, I'm probably hesitant to take Bull Bull just because of the uncertainty there. Not not my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, more, before we let Sam go, do you have any final questions for him? Only if you are seeing a scenario where Matisse Thibel from Washington is going to be one of those, you know, pesky 15-year career guys. Um, I'm not quite as high on Matisse as a lot of people seem to be. Uh, he's fine. Like, he's a good defender. I think the fact that NBA teams are like, you know, considering playing more zone defense and looking into these, you know, super, super help heavy schemes as opposed to just like, you know, help heavy schemes that they've run in the past. That only helps him. 
Uh, I, I worry about the offense a little bit. Like he is a guy that averaged nine points a game as a senior, like let yeah. alone like throughout his career. Uh, has a lot of skill offensively though. Like he can put the ball on the floor. He just doesn't really do it all that often. Like he, there are like these little flashes you'll see with them sometimes where it's like, oh, I didn't think you could do that. And like, he'll do it and he'll just be like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but the thing that worries me most is I think he shoots a little bit of a hard ball, um, which is worrisome to me. Like he needs to be able to uh, shoot the ball from distance to be an effective uh, player in the NBA. I don't think he's like a bad shooter necessarily, Um maybe 30 like i just wonder if he gets to like 37 percent from three i, I don't right. know that we get to that stage with him all right yeah he's another one of those guys who i know like okc people love him um some on sixers twitter definitely do the the shooting worries me as well uh, i've i i came into this you know i don't watch that much college basketball definitely not as much as you um i came into it like thinking this guy was one of the top Sixers targets, and now I've kind of moved away from him. But we'll see Thursday night. So, Sam, thank you again for coming on today. I know you, you've got a crazy schedule coming up these next couple days. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> you've been killing it just the whole year, and everyone should follow Sam's work on The Athletic. Again, the big board and mock draft went up today. It looks like, Sam, you're going to be updating the mock from now until the start of the draft. Yeah, I will literally um, like be updating it as we get off of this thing. So yeah, like I've just gotten enough calls to where it's like, oh yeah, like All you right. should you should look around here, you should look around there, you know. So nice. well, yeah. So everyone follow Sam the next couple of days for some good draft news, notes, uh, prospect. Um, profiles all that good stuff and sam where can they find you on twitter yeah go to sam underscore vicini uh v-e-c-e-n-i-e uh you know listen to the podcast that's about all i got for you though i'm not uh i'm not going crazy yeah uh i think writing like ten thousand words a week is still pretty impressive don't sell yourself short there guy <laughs> yeah uh yeah we'll we'll see how we'll see how this goes <laughs> yeah well we'll crack open a beer on friday for us and good luck these next couple days and thanks again for coming on man we'll definitely we'll have you back next year yeah it's funny like some people drink like to deal with stress some people uh you know will just mainline coffee right because they have yeah. to stay awake for long what, I, what I've found is, like, I just drink, like, a case of, like, an eight-pack of LaCroix a day <laughs> because it's just, like, the healthiest thing I can get my hands on that is not going to, like, destroy my body. But also, uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, it fills me a little bit maybe. And, like, I have that, yeah. like, nervous energy, like, just from having to work and stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my approach right now, just mainlining large amounts of LaCroix. You got to get LaCroix as a podcast sponsor next year. LaCroix should legit sponsor the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> LaCroix already sponsors the podcast without knowing that it's sponsored. Yeah, the right. Right. <laughs> tell, tell the athletics to get working on that. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Take care. See ya.
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Thanks again to Sam Vecini for joining us today. That was an awesome breakdown of the draft, which is on Thursday. Uh, We'll be back later this week with a draft uh, post show, probably on Friday at some point. But we had the emergency Anthony Davis pod on Saturday, like literally an hour after the trade broke. We said at the time we didn't know details of the picks or details of the timing, which has turned out to be a surprisingly big storyline, as we alluded to at the time. So let's go into the the picks aspect of it first. Um, We knew the number four overall pick in this year's draft was going to the Pelicans. We also knew at least two future first-round picks were going, but we didn't know which years. So now the details have come out. So it gets complicated, but... If it's a top eight protected, or if it's a top eight pick in 2021, it goes to the Pelicans. If not, the Lakers' unprotected 2022 pick goes to the Pelicans. That happens. Which is the double draft. Right. Yeah. They have a 2023 first round pick swap. The Lakers also owe either a 2024 or 2025 unprotected first, and it's the Pelicans pick as to which one it is. So they can defer. They owe the 2024 pick. The Lakers owe the Pelicans their 2024 pick, but they can de- the Pelicans can defer that to 2025. Right. Oh. With all of that said, how does the, or how do the details of those picks change your perception of the trade, if at all? It made it even better for New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, like significantly. Yeah, and, and and you know, so I've been saying that for the past few days, and I've had Lakers fans in my mentions just trying to roast me for it. But here's the thing: at no point did I or anyone else, for that matter, say that this was necessarily a bad deal for the Lakers because they got freaking Anthony Davis, right? So I, I think it's so important that we add context and layers to this trade. Yes. The, 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 the Lakers got a top five NBA player in his damn prime. Mm-hmm. So at no point can we look at the Lakers and say, oh, they lost. Right. Because you don't lose when you get a top five player. You just you don't lose a trade. Right. But it's, com- it's completely fair to say that considering AD put out the ultimatum, it's basically the Lakers or the Knicks, and we all knew that the, that the Knicks had virtually no assets to send, 
then he effectively said, trade me to the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that usually means that the offers or the return coming back is not so great because the player is effectively just forcing himself onto one team. Now, when that happens... You're you're pretty much taken hostage if you were the original team, you know, holding his rights. And for for David Griffin specifically to come out of this trade, out of this scenario, because keep in mind their first priority was to keep Davis. Yeah, that was always their first priority. To come out of this situation that they were forced into by Davis and Clutch Sports and all that, and 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 have this type of package in terms of the draft picks and the players and just the overall flexibility. That is just now, you know, basically the Lakers just filled New Orleans' entire treasure trove. Mm-hmm. That's uncommon, and it is fair to say that the Lakers kind of painted themselves into a corner by signing LeBron the year before, mm. to the extent that New Orleans could squeeze them for all they had. Those two things, you know, that the Pelicans got a haul. And that the Lakers got a top five player. Those two things are perfectly able to coexist. Right. It's not one team just completely beat the other team in the trade. No, it, there are nuances and layers and context, and we need to approach it as such. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you can argue it was a move the Lakers had to make. As we, we talked about this in the, the emergency pod, the Lakers had to make this move because based on all reporting at the time, uh, Ken Berger at Bleacher Report said, you know, Teams, quote-unquote, can't talk to free agents until July 1st or June 30th or whatever. But uh, teams talk at the Combine. And you get you at least get a sense of where these top free agents are open to going. And, right. you know, a lot of people, Woj has been reporting it repeatedly. He's been saying the Lakers weren't a front-runner or even really a consideration for any of the top free agents. The Lakers could not waste another year of LeBron's prime. They had to get Anthony Davis. So... They got him. It was a move they had to make, but they did overpay for the reasons you just laid out. There wasn't another offer out there that was half as good. You know, we've heard now that the the Celtics may have offered Tatum, but if they did, they weren't going to give much else just because of Kyrie's uncertain fate. And it seems like Kyrie's leaving. And, you know, Rich Paul came out last week and said, Davis is only going to play one year in Boston. He doesn't want to be there. I don't begrudge Boston for not giving up that much. Denver... A report came out from the Denver Post that um, they at least engaged the Pelicans to see what they wanted. The Pelicans wanted Jamal Murray. Denver said no. Same deal. You don't give up. Jamal Murray is heading into the final years of his rookie deal this year. You could have him under team control for six more years. You don't give that up for a rental when, you know, you can feasibly talk yourself into. You know, Denver has not hit its ceiling yet. Denver is not 2018 Toronto Denver is very much on the rise still. Like you, you could easily talk yourself into Denver being a potential finals team next year, even just standing pat. So, yeah. I mean, that's where I have them. Right. I, I have the you know the Nuggets and, and and Bucks in the finals next year. But you know, I was a big component or or for for Denver actually trying for AD because could you imagine? Could you just imagine Jokic and Davis? Even though Davis was a rental, more than likely. Mm-hmm. That one season would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would have been fun, but I, I wouldn't give up a lot of my future for it. No, I get that. I get that. Totally. Especially, I, all the signals were just, like, turning towards L.A. Right. There was just nothing to go by there. I mean, and and can we just be honest about something? The Lakers, or, or sorry, no, the Knicks, 
like they were never in play and not not in just in terms of the assets like that's just a team that rich paul kind of threw in there to make it sound like they didn't want specifically the lakers but this was the lakers yeah this was all about the lakers all along he had one team on that list yeah I mean, he might have been open to the Knicks, but I'm sure once the Kevin Durant injury happened, that just changes things, as we talked about in the emergency pod, it completely changes the outlook of the Knicks in terms of their immediate competitiveness and their free agent plans, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, he was going to go to the Lakers. It doesn't mean they didn't overpay, though. Um, Right. And, you know, we talked about this... We talked about we led off the emergency pod with this because I had just written something for Forbes a couple days before the trade went down, and I really thought at the time like I wrote about it as a this could happen and it would be very funny, but there is no way the Lakers are this incompetent to not <laughs> negotiate this into a deal. But you know I wrote this piece and as we talked about the timing of the trade is very important because. Basically, the the Lakers have two options here. Yeah. You complete the deal on July 6th. You operate as an under-the-cap team, which means you don't have to match salaries in the trade. You have The Lakers right. have a lot of cap room, so they can just take him back, and that's fine. They don't need to match salaries. They're good. They can... Right, because they absorb his contract. Right. The The problem right. here is the, the number four overall pick. You If you trade it before you sign whoever you pick uh, to his rookie-scale deal... It counts as nothing for salary matching. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the salaries of Ingram, Ball, and Hart do not line up with Davis. You can't match salaries with those three guys. You have to, if you're going to match salaries, you have to include the numbers for pick after you sign him, which means you have to trade him on July 30th or later. So if they did. Because you have to wait 30 days after the rookie contract is signed. Right. So if they do that, if they if they trade them on July 30th, the Lakers would have $32.5 million in cap space, and that includes some incomplete roster charges. So they would have had enough to sign one third star to a max deal, a guy with seven to nine years of experience or less. Uh, so they couldn't have gone after a Kevin Durant, whose max is $38.15 million, but they could have gone after a Kemba, Kyrie, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. All those guys are 327 they would have had just enough cap space to squeeze that in. But go back a little bit, so just so our listeners are all the way with it. Uh-huh. Because you mentioned about you know uh, matching salaries. Yeah. By actually functioning as an over-the-cap team, that's when you have to match salaries. Right. Because like you alluded to initially, when you absorb Davis into cap space, the matching of salaries does not matter. And the rule in the NBA is, a, and, and you may correct me on this, is in, in terms of trading rules, is 150% plus 100 grand? It's one grand? 125,000, or 125% plus 100,000. So, yeah, they needed to send out, depending on whether he picks up his trade kicker, which it sounds like he's going to, they needed to send out, I believe, either 21.6 million or 24.8 million with the with the assets they're sending out, including the number four pick, it's at 25 million. So they, they are matching salaries, which is another reason you would have thought, oh, okay, they, ne- they negotiated this into the deal. Like, it's it's not a coincidence that they're matching salaries. Like, they clearly talked to the Correct. Pelicans, got them to agree to the July 30th thing. So they'll have, regardless, like, here's the one point I want to make about this from the Lakers' perspective. Regardless of whether they 
got a third star or not, they would much rather just have more cap space. They'd much rather have the $32.5 million than they right. would if the deal goes down on July 6th. They'll either have 23.7 if Anthony Davis does not waive his trade kicker, or 27.7 if he does. Either way, that's like a $5 million difference or almost a $9 million difference. You are a very thin team right now. You have Davis, LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga are your only five players under contract. You would want as much cap space as possible. You'll have the room exception, but you'll want as much cap space as possible to round out your roster. So mm-hmm. it's this is not just a like, oh, they screwed themselves out of a third max guy. It's, oh, they screwed themselves out of possibly $9 million which they could right. have used to get, you know, another competent rotation player. So, based on the reporting, Mort, as of now, the expectation is the deal is going down on July sixth, and Davis is not going to waive his trade kicker. So they're going to have twenty three point seven million instead of thirty two point five. Yeah. Yep. And should th- all of this be confusing to anyone out there? We don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is. This is definitely a, a, you know, you had to read it five or six times to really get, you know, wrap your head around it. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, effectively, because Davis is acquired earlier as opposed to later, that money just won't be available. That's $9 million less to just function. <laughs> and when you have so few players on the roster, that, of course, makes it even more difficult to just round it out. Then yeah. you can't go out and spend $32 million on, like, five or six rotation players right now you have to squeeze those players into a salary slot of 23 ish million yep. and that's just not enough so you're going to be stuck i want to say with a lot of minimum level contracts yeah because of this little snafu slash issue right yeah. so brian i actually have one question for you yeah do you think do you think the lakers could offer another pick and try to pay themselves out of this situation. I think that's what they're going to have to do, but I don't know how much they can offer at this point. I guess like a 2026 pick swap or something like that? Yeah, I think it would have to be. Or, how funny would it be if they had to eventually, because of this, include Kyle Kuzma? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not gonna happen. I don't think. I, would, I just, would Twitter literally break? I know yeah. I say that a lot, but like for reals to this time, would Twitter actually their, their servers would break? Oh, right? Man. Would be, I, I mean, the complicating factor is as we talked about with Sam earlier. The Pelicans are shopping the number four pick. If they trade that pick, depending on what they get back, you know, the the Pelicans then have to weigh whether. They have if it if they're waiting for thirty days and that pick's gonna have a seven point million dollar seven point one million dollar cap hold, the team mm-hmm. that takes that pick's gonna have to match salaries. So it, it complicates matters for them. So we'll yep. get clarity, I would assume, either after the draft or, you know, kind of early July as to whether the Lakers can talk themselves out of this. But man, it is just a monumental screw up. If they did not negotiate the timing of this deal, it was. Not- I can't wait for international broadcasts that are that are going, <laughs> you know, covering the draft. Yeah, trying to explain the minutia of this to their local audiences. Just, I wrote two things on it for Forbes. I wrote one before the trade went down and after. So just go to my Forbes page. I promise I laid yeah. it out as clearly as possible there. 
It's just that it's a yeah. You had a profit piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. It was. I, it, that's the thing. It wasn't hard to foresee this. That's what's crazy. It's like I, you know, I saw it two days before. It did not take a genius to. To know that this was a, going to be a huge issue. I know it didn't take a genius because Rob Palinka's involved. Yeah, well, that's why they didn't foresee it. Um. Mm-hmm. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. So that's enough Lakers talk. Yes, please. Two other. Let's go to a different team in California. Yeah, yeah. two other uh, <laughs> surprises, I guess, came out today, both regarding player options. <clears throat> First. Harrison Barnes has turned down his player option with the Sacramento Kings. He would have made a little more than $25 million um, had he opted in. It seems like he and the Kings have mutual interest to re-sign, so maybe he doesn't match his AAV, but just he wanted some longer-term security. And I don't totally blame him here. He's not going to get $25 million a year on the open market, but... What do you think's realistic for Harry B this summer? I I have no idea. Yeah. No idea because he's all over the place statistically as well. I mean, he he improved as a shooter and especially his volume, so that makes him more attractive, but at the same time, his efficiency even though he actually took more shots from behind the arc was still kind of iffy. Mm-hmm. Um he's not one of those guys who'll get to the free throw line seven or eight times a game, even though his physical profile absolutely allows him to. So you feel the thing with Bob Barnes is you look at his skill set, you look at his physical profile and you, and you just see, you can see how effective he can be. You can see how he can actually be a star if he just kind of played a little smarter game. And then you are consistently underwhelmed by his performances. So, how much of that draws in, like, you know, factors in when, when he's up for a new contract? Probably a fair bit. But you can't deny that he's extremely talented. And if by some chance at age 27 he figures it out, then that's definitely worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I think you need to – it's fine to give him, like, a three-year deal, but I don't think you should go all in on four. I think that would be a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe three years – in the vicinity of 50, 55, something yeah. like that, 55, 60? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, Tops? That sounds about right to me. I wouldn't yeah. hate that. I mean, I would I would kind of hate breaking the $20 million barrier again right. for him, but I I mean, maybe some of it should be... You could, you could actually just fill up that contract with incentives. Yeah. Potentially. That's what I would do, I think, if I'm the Kings. 
So if the, if all the incentives for Barnes actually you know checks off the list and and he reaches them, then he gets the sixty million yeah. over three years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I don't remember is it fifteen percent of the total contract that could be made up of his incentives? I think it is. That sounds right. I don't remember the exact yeah. percentage, but yeah, you could do like a playoffs. You know, make the playoffs, make the conference semifinals, make the conference finals, field goal percentage. Right. You know. You can come up with whatever you want. Like, all NBA is never going to happen for him, but all-star game, whatever. Um, Exactly. So if if 15% of that number, whatever it ends up being, Mm -hmm. can effectively be withdrawn if he doesn't make, uh, you know, reach those incentives, that makes that contract a lot easier to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not totally surprised by this deal, but I know he's going to get roasted on Twitter for the next couple days, which is... And that's not cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, it's. It is. It's the, his choice. Yeah, it's. It's the. This is NBA Twitter here. Joke. You got to get your jokes off, no matter what. Yeah. Well, guilty. <laughs> right. I think we all are. Well, let's be honest. I mean, speaking of getting our jokes off, the other big player option decision that came out today is Al Horford. He is declining to exercise his $30.1 million player option, yeah. according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Um, right. The, Woj said there's motivation for both Horford and the Celtics to work toward an agreement on a new long-term contract. So I, I don't think he declines this deal without getting assurances from Boston that yeah. you know he, he's getting three years, $60 million or something like that. But... Oh, I think it's more. I could, I could see that. I guess three, three sixty yeah. seems pretty reasonable to me. It does to me as well. But Jared Weiss threw a number out there, which I could totally see happening. He said three seventy five. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I wouldn't do it either because that overlaps with Jason Tatum's extension as well. Right. So I wouldn't do that, but I, I understand like the point of view because, I mean, why would he opt out of thirty one point one million? If the only insurance he's gonna get is oh it's one additional year, like we, we'll sign you for two years, like that's probably not gonna happen. So it's gonna be a three year deal, right? Right. I, I would I just assume so. Don't yeah. I don't see a scenario where it's two years. Yeah. Then maybe that last year is partially guaranteed, but even then, it's Al Horford. How do you sell that on Al? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I would really, really hate to see him leave the Celtics this summer. It'd be a, a true travesty. Like God forbid. Oh my God. God we need forbid. to stop this. <laughs> him and Kawhi both go to the Clippers. It would be, I would just be so sad. Can Can I just you know pat myself a little bit on the back because I said this could happen. Yeah. I I said it could happen, but. Voge murdered my my you know feel good vibes by immediately saying oh he's probably gonna stay anyway oh yeah like, oh yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> no I mean I wrote something for fansided a week or two ago about you know guys with the biggest player option decisions I mentioned both um, Barnes and Horford here I also mentioned Jonas Valanciunas who did opt out mm. of the Memphis uh, his or his player option with Memphis. While he was fishing in Norway, which I love. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. No, he was fishing in Norway <laughs> so while he while he basically made this decision. It's the most relaxed free agency decisions a decision I've ever heard. That's and incredible. I'm in love with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, these weren't no brainer like 
Kawhi opting out is a no-brainer. Kyrie opting out is a no-brainer. Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, all of those are no-brainers. Kevin Durant, hadn't he not gotten hurt, no-brainer. These guys were more uncertain. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all comes down to what do you value more? One year uh, of a higher salary or three or four years of a slightly lower salary, salary but... You know, just having the assurance. I, I really wonder if the KD and Clay injuries kind of shook some of these guys where they, they're like, oh, man, every time we step on the court, you know, that could be the last big payday we get. Like, look at DeMarcus Cousins, who, you know, tore the Achilles, had to settle for the taxpayer mid-level last year, and who right. knows what his market's going to be this summer. So, yeah, I, I don't – I'm never going to begrudge a guy for turning down more money to get a long-term deal. No, I mean, absolutely. And and for many fans, it may seem completely insane that when you say no to $30 million in a single season, but it's about the volume of the money in terms of the long-term play. Because yeah. let's assume that Al actually opts into the $30 million. Mm-hmm. Then let's say his body breaks right. within the first you know week of the season. Right. Like and is and and it's basically a career-ending injury. Yeah, he's not getting a single dollar after those thirty million. Whereas if he turns down the thirty million as he's done now, mm-hmm. and then he signs for like three years, even if it's sixty in, instead of like seventy-five, yeah, then he gets thirty additional million dollars just spread up spread out over two more seasons. But in terms of the volume, like he gets more money out of it. Right, it's the safe play. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I. Uh... I'm guessing not that he needs the money. That's not what I'm saying because I mean, obviously. Yeah. But you know, it, you're an NBA player. You have limited earning. You know, an earning win- window. Yeah. So for sure. you know, go get yours. I'm guessing both guys end up re-signing with their respective teams, but it'll be, if nothing else, they well, added a little bit of juice to this free agent market, which is always fun and means we're even in for an even wilder next couple weeks. Um, I mean, Brian. Mm-hmm. Come on now. <laughs> are you absolutely sure that the Knicks are not going to throw Max to Harry B? <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be wild. <laughs> they could have RJ Barrett and Harry B and just have them do the Spider-Man meeting on each other for four years. <laughs> and and by, by the way, I mean, the Kings and Knicks, like on paper, it's, it reads mostly the same. Yeah. The agent could make a mistake. Like, there you go. Right. Boom. True. True. Yeah. Uh, Mort, before we sign off, give me your ideal draft night for the Chicago Bulls. For the Bulls? Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm actually going to be serious. I, I'm No more of this whole burn it down sure. thing because yeah. we, we have to be serious at some point. Yeah. Uh, to me, the best scenario for them would be Jared Culver. Um, that's in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I totally respect where Sam is coming from in terms of the league guard. He's not wrong. Uh, but I, I think Culver is going to be one of those guys that you look back at in 10 years and go, that's one of the most influential perimeter defenders that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls need defense. He's a pretty good ball handler and playmaker as well. Yeah, you'll still need a point guard, but I don't necessarily think the Bulls will be as bad next... Or, or sorry, they won't be necessarily be as good next year, even if they get Culver. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, this is a team that won 22 games. I like Laurie Markkinen. I like Wendell Carter. I like Saka Levine. I like Otto Porter. All those guys. There are definitely there's something there, but they have yet to prove that they can win with those guys. So I'm still kind of expecting a season next year where they top out at like 30 wins yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And you know who might be there if they get a good draft pick next year? 
RJ Hampton. Mm. So the point guard situation, if you're willing to <laughs> live with it for one year, maybe you go all in next year where there are several more point guards available. You know who might be there for them? LaMelo Ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So, that I mean, look, that's, that's a different... Uh, talk altogether yeah. because Lonzo has been rumored to, to the Bulls right. and I mean I, I don't see it but I, I'll also be straight with you I'm not a Lonzo Ball fan and not I mean let's ignore Voldemort for a second <laughs> right right I'll, I'll give him that he's a wonderful defender yeah he's got an eye to playmaking that's just fantastic that's where it ends yeah for me I, I'm not seeing someone who's going to improve drastically offensively like he's he's he still has a shot that not really allows him to take pull up sh- jump shots. Right. And as a point guard, that is just so crucial yeah. in today's league. Mildly important. Uh, yes. Ex- extremely. Yeah. He doesn't get to the free throw line, and when he does, he doesn't hit them. Yeah. That's a major issue. I think he's basically a taller and and more inclined playmaker than Chris Dunn. Yeah. Does. And I, people are going to be like, "What did you just say that?" Yes, I did. I absolutely said that. I, I've I've seen plenty of ball, and I will say this: he has games where he really turns it on, and you can see it. Right. You can see it. Right. But he, the thing is, he's never really strung together like a couple weeks of that. Not once. And you know, there's there are injury concerns as well. Yeah. I need to see more before I'm a believer. Like I I respect the Lakers fans, like watch him a lot and go, but but he can do these things. I totally get it. But until he strings together. At the very least, a two or three week period. I'm not buying stock, not yet. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a much higher ceiling than Chris Dunn. I think we know what Chris. If, of course, yeah. but of course, I, 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 I'm I, saying like statistical profile right, right now, right? right? I mean, yeah, yeah. skill no, set wise, no, 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 functional no, basketball I'm, player wise, yes, but right. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's you know <laughs> right. Chris Dunn, rich man's Chris Dunn. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, but I'm saying that. It's the same kind of weaknesses. Right, right. Like, the sure. Bulls are dissatisfied with Chris Dunn's because he can't shoot. Yep. And be, because he doesn't really draw, you know, a lot of fouls. And because he's passive and he's not, a you know, able to produce uh, scoring opportunities for himself on the perimeter. Yeah. How does Lonzo Ball in his place solve that? Right. It doesn't. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, I would value Jared Culver over Ball immediately. And there are a lot of rumors that the Bulls are interested in Darius Garland. I'm kind of skeptical because I don't necessarily think the Bulls are are all that keen on working with a player who's a sports uh, clutch sports client. Mm. From what I know about the Bulls, yeah. they they like Mark Bartelstein, um, a player agent who's very much not in that you know very very uh, public way. Mm-hmm. So that's something that needs to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah, uh, all of that makes sense. Um, my dream scenario for the Sixers is that they just don't sell 33 or 34. I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. Like, they could they could trade one of those for a future pick or whatever. They could trade a couple of their second. They have four second-round picks. They could trade two of them to move up. For the love of God, just don't sell the effing picks. Um, right. What if you package them and trade them for something? Yeah, that's cool. But, I mean, okay. I, don't, I don't think they're going to... I would be surprised if they try to move back into the first round just because I don't think they want that guaranteed salary on their books. I think 
Oh no, I was thinking like future references. Oh or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Future no, considerations cool. because that's this fine. this draft is not really that strong, especially in the second round. Yeah. So it would make sense. Like if you could package like a bunch of those picks and just get like a second rounder in twenty twenty two at the double draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, w- I would like to keep both 33 and 34 just because I think there are going to be some relatively high floor guys available in that range. But yeah, yeah that's fair. I don't yeah. think I would be shocked if they kept both 42 and 54. One of those mm. will definitely be traded for a future second or whatever. Or, yeah. Know. No, that makes that makes sense. And probably a stash guy yeah. is one of them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool with me. But give me... Give me some car- combination of like Carson Edwards, Ty Jerome, Cam Johnson, Eric Paschal, Chumo Keke. I'm happy with any of those guys. All right. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. Cam Johnson, though? Yeah. He's he's always a decent shooter. So I'm... He is. I was thinking about age, but you know what? He might actually align yeah age-wise right. pretty well i don't think yeah. they're i mean they've come out and said they want some older guys who can contribute right away and this is a conversation for another day but i almost wonder if teams now given how much uh players have started to force their way out of situations a year or two early than you know before their contract runs out i wonder if teams start putting less of an emphasis on age because they're like, well, this guy's not going to be with us for 10 years anyway. Let's just get six or seven good years out of him, and then that's fine. I mean, that's that's a very, very interesting thesis. Um, I think we should explore that in a, in, a, in, a, in a, another episode, honestly, because that's interesting. Let's, yeah. let, let's get someone on to talk about this. Yeah, well, that's, that's actually very interesting. We'll, we'll table it for some post-draft talk, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, so that's a good place to wrap up everyone enjoy the draft Thursday we will be back hopefully Friday uh, with a post draft recap winners and losers all that good stuff also we have free agency coming up and we have free agency less than two can I just can I pluck something yeah all right this is just for the Danish audience but I know you're out there Um, so I will be you know posting a one hour pre-draft video on uh, the 20th, the day of the draft, I'll record early in the morning. It'll be online approximately at 10, 11 a.m., so you have the day. And then on the, the, the 21st, the day after, I'll post a one-hour-long video of you know post-draft analysis. So look out for that. Uh, it'll be on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere, so I'll, I'll link to it. But Danish audience, just, yeah, heads up. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and follow us. At the NBA Pod on Twitter, you'll get all of our latest episodes there. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. Please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And we're being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined as always by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. And thank you, everyone out there, for setting a career high for us. Yeah. Uh, with the Anthony Davis uh, emergency podcast, you came through and you listened, and we saw the numbers. And holy crap! Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so so very much. Indeed. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll try to be quick. Whatever any other big trades break in the next couple weeks as well. But uh, I think we're in for some some real madness these next few weeks. Absolutely. Take care, man. All right. You too. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the...
Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.